Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, guys, welcome back to the show, the MVM show. We have a special guest on today. And today, this episode and this podcast is brought to you by Pattern Pack Ammo, one of our newest sponsors of the podcast. So we're super stoked about it. I think you guys are going to love it. I think there's a lot of you that are going to really be interested in what we're talking about today. And I think it's a genius idea, something I wish I would have thought of myself. So today we have Tucker with us with Pattern Pack Ammo, the first official podcast with the sponsor. What's up, Tucker? Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, it's a it's a privilege. Uh, when you first introduced your idea, I thought it was it was uh, pretty uh, genius, actually. Especially if anybody that's watched our YouTube channel, you've seen all the videos that we've done about patterning and all the money I spent in all those boxes. <laughs> You know, like, did you shoot all those, by the way? I sold they, half of them. Yeah. If you knew somebody else was thinking outside of the box, yeah, what to put in a box, you would have been... He nailed it. Saved <laughs> a lot of money. So, as we get going, guys... Are you making just a wonder, dad joke over there? What's up? Are you making a dad joke over there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I just watched my minivan today. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, we want to... Um, kind of know hear more about you just for ourselves and we've been talking for a couple of weeks me and you tucker and wanted to kind of get your background and stuff like if you don't mind just give us a little bit about yourself yeah sure um you know kind of uh i know a couple of you guys uh, i think had some military service in your background I, I grew up in a military family um i was born on camp lejeune in, in north carolina two marine officer parents um kind of lived on bases until about 2000. Um, I was living in Quantico and, uh, parents got out of the Marine Corps, um, lived in Northern Virginia. And like, I grew up in a, a family that, you know, nobody hunted. It wasn't a big thing. Like my dad took me fishing a couple of times as a kid, but as far as being a, an outdoorsman and a sportsman, um, wasn't really in my background. Um, and my parents, they were both real big on, you know, firearms and guns and, you know, you're raising two boys and they want them to, have the, the outdoor experience in, in that sense of, Hey, like we're going to teach them how to shoot, teach them marksmanship. Like my dad would set up, um, a variety of like bottles and stuff in the backyard, stack them like in a straight line, be like, all right, you got to pick out the middle one and then shoot the back one. And it was a bunch of stuff like that. But as far as my hunting background, I, I didn't really get too much into it until I got older. Um, I was kind of able to venture out on my own and, um, kind of got into waterfowling through some teammates. Nice. How long ago was that? So I got into 
I went to college a little bit late. I played hockey um, pretty much throughout my entire childhood, as well as um, high school, junior hockey, college. Um, played a, a year of minor league hockey as well. Um, and when I was in college, I had a buddy, teammate, who had played junior hockey out in Brookings, South Dakota. Um, and he had the experience of going to practice in the morning and then rushing out to the blind for the rest of the day and just getting to shoot down clouds of ducks as they flew in and showed me a video of his time out there. And I was hooked. I was just <laughs> like, man, I, this awesome. is, this is for me. Like I got to find a way to do this. So what, um, what was your first talking about? That what was your first duck hunting experience. It was in college. It was, um, with some buddies. It was a real last minute thing. We were running around trying to get licenses, all squared away. Um, finally got them like right before Walmart closed at nine o'clock and then ran up to Cabela's grabbed, uh, like a box of federal speed shock number fours, bought a dozen decoys and just threw them out the next morning. We were up in, in Northern Maine on a, a wildlife management area. Didn't do any scouting and just, you know, we watched the sunrise. We heard everybody else shooting except for us. And we stuck it out for the full day, just kind of hopping around trying to find a spot that, you know, looked promising and, Ended up getting a single duck, which I would call a victory for not having too much experience. But man, just being outside, you get to be with your buddies. You get to see all that wildlife and Mm -hmm. get to, you know, see how much room for improvement you have. Um, Definitely, it was an awesome experience and um, definitely something I'll remember forever. So you had mentioned your first bit of duck hunting was in North Dakota though, right? No, no. So my friend had played junior hockey in North Dakota, uh-huh. um, and that was prior to going to college. So hockey is kind of a weird sport where um, guys will play in high school, and then there's a development period in between high school and college um, where guys will go and they'll they'll focus on just playing hockey and develop you know your body into kind of growing into being a man um, and learning how to be a professional when it comes to um, your approach to the rink and your preparation for games and and things along that. So. Well, he was doing that. Um, he was out in South Dakota and, um, you know, got to pretty much go to the rink in the morning and then go to the duck blind for the yeah. afternoon. Yeah. And that was every day for a full year. Um, and it's, a, it's a hell of a life. But I was fortunate enough to have a, a pretty similar experience to that um, playing minor league hockey. Um, I played for the Quad City Storm last year. Um, it used to be called the, the Quad City Mallards. But um, I was fortunate enough to meet a family, the Britons. Yeah. Um, Byron is a... Um, I believe it's a, what are they called? A pro staff, uh-huh. Mossy Oak pro staff, Turkey yeah. hunter. He's a huge waterfowl guy. Um, and they just kind of opened their arms and were like, Hey, like, you know, come, come hang out with the family. We've got a young kid that plays hockey and you know, anytime you want to go hunting, we'll take you out. So I pretty much got to do the same thing where you run to the rink for your three hour work day in the morning. And then you just sprint out to the blind and get the bang down geese and, break ice and put decoys out and you know live that that life and it's it's unbelievable you're hunting in some seriously frigid (laughs) duck hunting area i'm guessing it's can be pretty brutal huh with the cold oh oh yeah yeah the uh i'd like to think you know growing up in in an ice rink probably helped a little bit with that but um if i can get away with it i'll definitely bring a heater out (laughs) yeah i don't blame you there so I'm just curious, you know, hearing about your background stuff and um, appreciate your parents' service uh, for their service. Um, but what in the world made you, how did you come up with this idea? We want to hear about pattern packing, like how it evolved. And I mean, was this took five years, 10 years and like how, like how that all come together? And can you so, explain what it is exactly? Yeah, exactly. So, um, just real quick about what pattern pack is pattern pack, um, allows guys who shoot shotgun shells for right now, waterfowl hunting, um, to select from the top ammunition brands based on shell length, uh, shot size, um, load capacity, and you can build your own box of smaller amounts of shells. So you can test out the wide variety of options out there. You can pattern them through your gun, see how it's going to work with your different choke tube setups, your barrel length, um, and just see what's going to work best for you. I mean, uh, I, I originally had that experience, like I was mentioning, the first time I went hunting. Um, my buddy who was the one playing in South Dakota, he just kind of mentioned, hey, like this is what we shot all the time. They were just cheap, number fours. Mm-hmm. Um, they get the job done. 
and they did. Um, you know, I'd shot them a couple times more. I didn't really realize how much I was missing out on. Um, shells are expensive being a college kid. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough that college was not super expensive for me um, as far as hockey was concerned. And, but still, I mean, you're going there with whatever money you made over the summer and you don't want to blow it all on shotgun mm-hmm. shells and you're, you know, you're trying to go out on Thursday night and meet some, some young lovelies. So when, uh, you know, you have all this great shot shell technology out, I mean, you have bismuth, you have the copper plated bismuth. Now you have tungsten, um, and all of the, the steel shot technology. You want to be able to try the full, full breadth of what's out there. And, um, being able to do that can be expensive. I mean, you guys said you had that video where, I mean, you guys spend so much money on ammo just mm-hmm. to figure out what works and being able to, you know, help some guys test that out and increase, you know, their, their hunting experience and getting the most out of it. Um, while saving a little bit of money. I mean, this is a super expensive sport to be a part of, but it's worth every penny. Yeah. So, so that, that's so, kind of the basis of what we're doing. Hey, so Tucker, can you let everybody know what uh, ammo companies you guys are currently working with? Yeah, so we have a, a wide variety of heavy shot products. Um, we carry Migra as well. Um, we have some Boss Shot shells in stock. Um, those have absolutely flown off the shelf and being a, a relatively new company. We're going to be getting some Apex shells in here relatively soon, um, and then we carry a bunch of Federal, um, everything from TSS to their their Sea Duck mixed loads. Um, and I mean, we have Winchester Blindside, we have Black Cloud, we have Kent Bismuth, Fast Steel 2.0. We have everything from 20 gauge to 12 gauge, um, three and a half inch down to the your two and three quarter. We we cover the full variety, a bunch of different shot sizes. So you really can go in there and pick out you know, what you think is going to work for you or something that you've been eyeing for a bit and haven't really been able to test out and um, see what's going to work through your gun. I mean, there's a lot of um, information out there as far as, Hey, like this is definitely worth something to try. This is like been, you know, scientifically tested to say, Hey, this is, you know, a good option to look at. But as far as really getting down to the nitty gritty, I mean, you got to put shells through your gun Mm -hmm. on paper and that's really the only way to know what's going to work. Well, and that's the thing is one, let's just take Browning A5, one A5 to the next. My brother has the Wicked Wings. I have a older version, like five years old. Our guns are going to shoot different. Every barrel's literally different. So it doesn't even matter. You know, I, I looking back at that and knowing a lot more about patterning and stuff, I'm like, you know what? People are like, oh, I have a Browning A5. Thank you for doing this video. And now it's like, you know what? I don't know how much good that really is going to do. You still need to shoot it for yourself you know, and pattern your own gun, even if it's the same model. And if you have a different Absolutely. choke. And if you have a different choke, different, you know. Different choke can make a big difference. Exactly. Guys are wanting to shoot, you know, there's Pattern Master, there's True Lock, there's Kicks High Flyer. I mean, and then all those brands have all theirs, and every ammo almost has their own chokes. It's 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 actually a deep, dark, <laughs> deep, dark <laughs> hole. It's actually unbelievable. Oh, yeah. It's... uh it's one of those things. I, I have a buddy who uh, he does some software development for Apple. He's like a childhood friend of mine. And I was talking to him one day just about some business development that he was working on. And he was talking about how, you know, when I, I look for apps and things to design, I look for things that have a lot of chaos around them um, and they have a lot of options. And it's not very clear cut as far as being able to establish options. Um, and he, he's talking about, you know, importing products from other countries and all the, the laws and stuff regarding that. And mm-hmm. I mean, I looked at shot shells and I, I was thinking about that experience I had with those uh, federal number fours. And it was just like, okay, well, I, I took these off the shelf, but everything else that I was looking at, there's some highly marketed shells out there and they claim to do a lot and mm-hmm. they do do a lot. There's a lot of great stuff, but to really find out what's going to work for you and you know, how you're going to be able to know that when you missed it, it was on you and not the pattern. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta put shells through the gun, like I said. Right. So Tucker, how does this work? I mean, is there a minimum, maximum that someone can purchase and do is it totally customizable where they can pick, you know, three of this shell, four of that shell? How does that work? Absolutely. So we have uh, a minimum order of five shells. Um and then you can pick whatever you want. So if you want to do five different brands, they're all different sizes, shot sizes, or if you want to keep it all in one brand and just try you know, three inch number one, two, three, and four, um, and test that out, stay within a, a certain range. You absolutely can do that. Um, and then you can go up to as many shells as you want. I mean, we will, we'll send them out there. There's no maximum order with us. Um, and we're happy to supply it. Yeah. And 
something I'm thinking of too. I'm just thinking of all the varieties that you could do with this. You know, um, for instance, if you wanted to, there's just so many ways you could do it. Honestly, if you're wanting to just yeah, mess with chokes, just totally chokes. customizable. You know, with the, with whatever shells you want to choose. Yeah. So basically, mm-hmm. it's like okay, I want to try three of these, four of those. It's like going to a candy store and saying, yeah, right, like. You know, because people are, people are stuck on what they're stuck on, right? Like for some reason, let's just say kicks. People's, you know, they'll swear by it. This is how duckers are. I don't know why, but they'll be like, okay, I like kicks, and they won't even try anything else out. It's like, okay, that's fine. And so guys like that would say, okay, I want to try all these shells out with just the kicks choke, or vice versa. Like you said, some guys will say, I'm I'm a boss shot shell guy. I'm a heavy shot guy, and I ain't shooting nothing else no matter what. So now they're gonna do variations in chokes. You know, to get this very, you know, what pattern that they're looking for. So uh, it's just, it's the more you think about it, the more unlimited this whole thing is with what you got going on here and how many options you could, you know, you could pick. It's Yeah, I mean, as, as far as choke tubes are concerned, I mean, um, we had reached out to a couple different manufacturers um, early on just to kind of see what their process was for choke tubes. And I ended up having a, a real good conversation with uh, Briley. And man, they, they were big supporters of, of what we're doing. Who's, um, who's Briley? Briley choke tubes. Oh, Briley. Okay. Manufacturing. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to be implementing, uh, their stuff on the site. I mean, they have a lot of products, so it's, it's taken a little while to get them uploaded, but, mm. um, you know, as far as the, the options, it's like you said, I mean, there's so many different choke tubes. There's so many different shots, uh, sizes and shells and, you know, the gun comes down to a huge portion of it as well. And, there are a lot of options that people can consider and being able to kind of test it all is definitely, you know, I'm, I'm happy with being able to provide the service because I really think it's going to change a lot of people's perspective on, you know, being locked into what they found works well for right now. I think you're going to find people that are making drastic changes um, as far as what they're shooting and they're mm-hmm. going to be saying, you know, I wish I had done this sooner. Right. And uh, what, I know it was something I was going to say and Travis and Thomas may have some questions, but what I was going to say is a lot of guys out there are going to say, you can't get a true pattern unless you shoot three to five to ten shells. So what's cool about this is if people have in mind exactly two brands or three bands they want, you're not limited. You can say, okay, I want five, uh, three-inch, or 12-gauge, three-inch, four-shot of heavy metal. And I want five of those, and I'm going to shoot, 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 shoot that paper, get an actual pattern. So, I mean, no matter, like you're saying, no matter how you do it, you can literally fill that box up or you can get five shells however you want to do it with whatever variety you want, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What's, so the site, I mean, it's, it's so, super. <clears throat> Tucker, I'm on, I'm on your site right now and just building just random different options here. And like he's saying, guys, it's, it's really user-friendly, actually. You can get right on here and just select an option, build your pack, and you have everything you want right there. You pick your gauge, your length, your brand, your shot size, exactly how many shells you want of what you want, and uh, you just add it right to your cart, and it's relatively straightforward. So like you said, if you guys want to shoot three shells or five shells or whatever of you know some ammunition, you can buy you know, three different or mm-hmm. actually five different or whatever, uh, you know. different brands of shells with five shells each. Cause you the thing got is, a full that's box. Everybody there. always says mm-hmm. a different, like if you look on official sites, a lot of them will say three to five, but I've had guys comment like, Oh, you, you're in, you're wasting time. If you don't do 10 shots, you're not doing nothing, which is not true. If you look at all the choke companies and their standards of how you actually pattern, that's not true at all. But the guys, the, the, if you want to check the website out, which I highly suggest you do, like Tom said, it's user-friendly. I've checked it out several times. Pattern Pack Ammo. So that's pattern and then pack, P-A-C-K, ammo.com. And if you do decide to do this, which I'm sure there's several of you that will want to, put in the code at checkout, MVM, Mike, Victor, Mike, MVM, the MVM show, and uh, you'll get 10% off on your order. So I highly suggest you guys at least go in here, get some traffic in here and check this out. Cause I think you're going to be, I think you'll be as stoked as I am. And it's like I said, it's just a genius idea. Um, I'm kind of wondering you guys, sorry if I keep, if you got more questions, Travis or Thomas, but 
I'd kind of like to talk about something real quick because the California listeners that we do have, and I'm sure there's other states too, maybe Hawaii, I don't know. But I feel like I have the resolve for you if you say, hey, we can't order ammo online. Before I say that, Tucker, have you done any research on that? And do you have any information on it yourself before I... So cur- yeah, currently we are, are not shipping ammunition to California. Um, we are working to get um, a partnership set up so that we can have that resolved and uh, get guys taken care of because, I mean, that's, there's a big market out there. It was a lot bigger than I thought um, as far as California hunting goes. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, we there's a couple of restrictions as far as um, certain parts of Illinois that we require uh, a FOID card. Um, as well as New Jersey, you have to send us some extra information, Connecticut as well. But um, we don't ship anything to Alaska. Nothing goes to Hawaii. I don't even think there's ducks in Hawaii. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's uh, California is the one state that we're not currently shipping to. We are looking, like I said, to resolve that. And the moment we do, believe me, we're going to let you guys know about it so we can get stuff going for you. Um, the one other thing I would say is when you're done checking out, I mean, the, we're not a one-trick pony, so – as much as this is a great idea, we, we'd love to be able to get you guys uh, bulk orders of your ammunition. Whenever you guys are done patterning and figuring out what's going to work for you for this upcoming season, you can order your bulk ammo with us and we'll be able to get you guys a good deal on it. And then, you know, as the next season comes in, we'll have all the new options for you guys to test out and, you know, argue about what's going to work best and be able to settle hopefully before the opener. Yeah. And I, I don't want to uh, say something on the episode that I shouldn't, but just to throw this out there for the listeners and for, for you as well, Tucker, you know, and I know, you know, this, I'm sure, but you know, if you get like, say if I went and ordered ammo from a heavy shot, or if I ordered ammo from like Rogers or whatever, Rogers supporting goods.com, um, they just set up like, Oh, they get the FFL from the gun dealer and they ship right there. Now I'm paying more. I don't think the the dealer's not paying anymore or the person shipping it, but like me as the individual, I am going to have to pay a little bit more. And that's what pretty much all of us, you know, waterfowlers or upland game hunters or whatever, anybody wanting ammo, that's just what you got to do. Even if you're shooting rifle ammo or, mm-hmm. or handgun, whatever. So I know that it can be done because I've done it. I, it's so stupid that what is it? Two years ago now, Travis, that they stopped letting us ship ammo to California. I believe it was two years ago. That was yeah. the that was the thing that put me over the top with California. Yeah, oh, I mean it was nice when you could order off of. We typically had to order off Rogers, and basically the case would be shipped right to my front door. Yeah, and, like it should be. Yeah, I walk outside and pick it up and bring it inside. But <laughs> now you know the background checks. Um, I guess if you don't have certain documentation, there couldn't even be a waiting period. Uh-huh. Um. But yeah, it's just it's gotten out of control. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's imposed on us by the state, and I mean, as of right now, there's nothing we can do about it, and mm-hmm. it makes it difficult for everybody, not just us. I mean, we suffer, but so do a lot of the people in in stores. I know that they hated it when it first came out because a lot of people are angry and upset, and rightly so. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just something we have to work through right now. Yeah, you know, nothing you can. But do like it. I said, that being said, it's still something that can be done. But in it, a, in know, a way, we still do it. In right? a way, this could make it easier for you because unless you're buying bulk ammo um, here in California, every time you go to buy ammo, you're paying a background check True. fee. Yeah. So unless you're gonna buy five boxes of different ammunition at once, which could be pricey, you're gonna pay. Every single time, if you go back two, three, mm-hmm. four, five times, you're paying that fee every single time you swipe your card. Yeah, I mean, if you walk ammo. outside the store and it's like, I forgot to get, grab a box of this, you walk back inside, you're doing the whole thing again. Yep. Right, exactly. So, so this does make it actually This a lot does make it better in, in that way, mm-hmm. you know? For sure. Um, this may be kind of a, a silly question. I, I couldn't find it on your site here, but being that you work across multiple companies and multiple ammunitions, um, uh, um, and for people that do get it shipped to them, to their house, whatever, is there, is there, you guys have your own box that you ship it in or do you guys put it in some other, obviously it's going to be in some kind of ammunition safe, uh, container was that, is it like a plastic container? Is it your own, um, you know, case or how, how's that work? 
Yeah, so we have um, custom packaging that fits the, the same specifications that um, shotgun shells are, are currently stored in, and we'll ship them to you. Um, we have custom boxes that we also send them out in. They have um, padding in them, so when they get shipped to you, they're they're well taken care of. They are they have to be ground shipped, obviously. That's how ammunition mm-hmm. works. But um, yeah, we we send them right out to you. They're they're stored. We have a secure storage facility. Um, we partnered with a company called Coleman International. Um, they're out of Alexandria, Virginia. They do all sorts of uh, government contracting in regard to ammunition sales to foreign allies. Um, I was introduced to them through a, a family friend, and they have been super great to work with. So we, we maintain our, our supply of bulk ammunition in their secure facility. So it's all stored um, per manufacturer warranties and specifications. And um, with every order that we send out, we include all of the safety information from the specific manufacturer that you've ordered the ammunition for. Um, so while we do repackage it, um, it is per the specifications of the customer and we have disclaimer information as well as all warranty information and lot information, which is included for every shell when it is available to us. So you guys know exactly where it came from. So if you have any sort of issue, you can absolutely call the company and say, Hey, like this is the lot information for the ammo. Um, and you can find out, you know, exactly as far as the warranty coverage goes. Awesome. And the and the name of their website, guys, is patternpackammo.com. So if you guys are listening to this and interested, uh, type that in and go check it out. So we were talking about uh, your time in Maine. Um, can you can you tell us about some sea duck hunting on the, on the East Coast? We're pretty interested in that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was pretty fortunate. I went to a school that was right on the coast. So I actually lived in a beach house three of my four years off campus. Um, and right on the back was a wildlife management area. So I pretty much got to hunt right in my backyard. Um, I had a, a neighbor who had a kayak that I, I borrowed um, with permission later on and <laughs> covered that. I built a, a little bit of a blind on it. I covered it up and I would just pretty much set it out in the back marsh. And as the tide would go out, I'd just kind of drift down and there was a whole bunch of, uh, sea ducks that would come in there for shelter um, and the water got pretty choppy out out on the main ocean side and um, you could pretty much sneak up on them if you wanted to hunt them that way and then you could also get them in on some decoys but um, it was it was an absolute blast I mean I could literally walk out my back door onto the beach um, and then as the tide kind of came in there were a bunch of rocks in the water there that I could hide behind and the ducks would come into that one spot Um, I think there was a, a bit of a food source there that they were real popular with. So I didn't even have to put decoys out when I would hunt them sometimes. And, um, I would say the one thing about hunting in Maine is you want to be super aware of the tide. Um, I had an Island that was off of where my beach house was. And when the tide would go out, I would walk out there and it's, it's probably 600 yards out to the Island. And I would walk around the Island and and kind of find a good spot to set up some decoys and do some sea duck hunting. And then, you know, you got to keep an eye on the tide because one day, you know, it, uh, it'll come back to bite you in the ass. I was walking uh, on the way back and hadn't realized how much water had gotten there. And uh, I was pretty fortunate that I knew where the, the high path and the water was because if I didn't, I would have been swimming uh, wow. the rest of the way home. But they talk about those half-tide ledges, and it's definitely – it can get pretty dangerous out there. So, I mean, what if anybody's looking that? to do – What is a half-tide so, ledge? It's very rocky coast. Um, oh. and you can get on these ledges that come out. So when the tide goes down, oh. it will expose all of this new ground and you can find yourself out there. And if you don't have a clear cut high ground path to the way back from whence you came, you can get stuck on a bit of an Island. And then if the water comes on that, you're, uh, you're swimming <laughs> in whatever gear oh, you man. have. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what kind of decks did you mostly, uh, get out there? Was it, was it eiders, scooters, uh, a lot of scooters. Okay. <laughs> scooters. Yeah. Scooters, That's goaters. It's goaters, yeah. scooters. Okay. Goaters, scooters. White wing. Yeah. Uh, black, yeah. black. A lot of black. Mm. Um, good amount of those there. And then there was another marsh area. So we had um, two campuses for the school. One was Biddeford, Maine. The other one was Portland. Um, and right in between the two was a, a big area, Scarborough. And they have a massive marshland that uh, you can hunt and you get a lot of um, puddle ducks, you get a lot of mallards um, and you also get a good amount of geese too. And that became a a good favorite spot of ours when we weren't doing the saltwater marshes. Um, And you could get 
I mean, we had a, a couple limits of mallards while we were there um, and definitely did a good amount of goose hunting as well, um, especially in that, that early season there. They have a, a bunch of native flocks that you can set up on lines that are already out there um, and the geese just come right on in and it's it's an awesome place to be i mean you're you're five minutes from the ocean you're 15 minutes from the lake portland's a super underrated city and then the hunting up there i mean they have just about everything so so I mean, what's definitely your, go to what's your limit on ducks you got that real tight mallard limit yeah yeah, yeah. there was uh i believe it was two mm. two mallards um two drakes and then or it was two hens and a drake I think there was a four mallard limit. Um, and it, it, I think it's gotten even tighter this year as mm-hmm. far as the Atlantic flyway. Um, it's definitely not, you know, central or Mississippi, but uh, you can still find some, some good places to hunt out here. Chesapeake Bay, um, I'm actually starting to do a good amount of that this year. Uh, I've got two buddies, um, one of which actually used to be a hockey coach of mine. I had no idea that he was uh, an outfitter. He runs Black Duck Outfitters. They're pretty well-known. Uh, east coast outfitter and he does really well as far as uh you know the hunting is concerned and i reached out to him with the idea early on he he had the same reaction you guys did he absolutely loved it um been a real help as far as setting some things up and introducing me to some people so it's been really cool so does that mean you've shot black ducks i have i have oh, i actually man. shot uh, a couple Sorry, black Doc. ducks in maine but um, that's on, the, that's on the bucket list for us. Yeah, we're jealous. <laughs> we don't get very They're many cool. of those out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. all the sea ducks are on my bucket list. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're. Those are, they're big birds, man. Oh man, the eiders are huge. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're definitely something you want to pack the house with as far as you know shooting a, a big shot size. Definitely get yourself a an eider pattern pack. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? That's I, it's funny you say that too because when we went to do an old squaw hunt at Lake Michigan a couple years back, we were asking the guy. He's really more of a friend, I would say, but his name's Austin Rogotsky with Blue Ribbon Outdoors. Yeah, or, Blue yeah. Ribbon Outdoors. And uh, we're like, I was asking, like, do I need to shoot six shot? You know, because I'm sitting here thinking old squaw, they're smaller bird, and I don't want to damage them for mounting purposes. And he's like, no, man. You can shoot two shot if you need to. He goes, these are tough birds. Do not be going light load on these things. And boy, was he right. We had they're tough. They are so tough. And if they they're, are not dead, they dive and they're gone. They're amazing birds. Mm-hmm. Diving up to 150 feet. Yeah, it's crazy. So we, uh, one of the birds we shot actually, we shot. He dove, and I'd say seen 30 seconds later, yeah, he popped up like. 200, 150 yards away. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy, the, the, the guy, boat had yeah, to actually finish him off. Yeah, he was like, hey, I got your bird. We're like, what? Because it was like, like you said, 30 seconds, and it was so fast. It was unbelievable. Yeah, so shot the bird, hit the water, it dove, never saw it again. Mm-mm. And probably 30 seconds to 45 seconds later, they, the bird actually swam towards the tinderboat, and they saw it, and we got the bird, luckily, but... Just crazy, just mm-hmm. crazy tough birds. Phenomenal. You, If you've never seen that for yourself, you would not believe. Mm-mm. I would not believe that they could dive 150 feet. People, it's still hard to believe, honestly, if yeah. you think about Swim straight like, down. Swimming like a fish. Yeah, literally. But so kind of what was your what was your hunting experiences in Iowa? You said you've hunted there a little bit too. Yeah. So um, like I had mentioned, when I was playing out there, the, uh, the family I was introduced to, um, the Britons, Byron Britton, Super nice. Took me out. I he's got a, a duck club out there that I, I got to go hunting with him um, pretty often, and being able to uh, you know see thousands and thousands of geese come in is just it's an unbelievable experience, especially when you've only seen that stuff on video. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of changes those whole flyover states to destination states for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, while I was out there, I mean, it was some of the best hunting I've ever had. I'm actually going out there. Um, in about a week and a half, and I'll be out there for five days, and the phone will be shut off, and I'll be in <laughs> absolute paradise. I've never heard that statement, but that's actually a very legit statement. Tur- you said it turns those flyover states into destination states. I, I've i never thought about moving to Kansas ever or anywhere, like certain mm-hmm. states there, but now that I've been doing more traveling and hunting, I'm like, oh, I could definitely live there now. And someone we did a podcast with in the back, they're like, 
hey, I, I do, I plan everything in life around duck hunting. <laughs> I, think that was, I think that was Chase and Green. He's yeah. like, I picked the job specifically for duck hunting. He goes, I picked this, this for duck hunting. I'm like, man, that's so true. Like, you have, it just evolves around it, and you're like, okay, whatever can work best, you know. Mm-hmm. Thomas even kind of did the same. I'm struggling with that, yeah. I yeah. think it's just they want to be able to have a job that just lets them go or work from wherever. I mean, mm-hmm. having that kind of control as far as um, being able to hunt as often as possible. I mean, I would live in, I don't care, North Dakota, South Dakota. I mean, South Dakota has been booming recently. I think, what is it, the governor just opened it up to everybody. And, mm-hmm. man, like I was talking to my mom not too long ago, and she's like, hey, like, I kind of like what's going on out there. I might move. And I was like, I will help you, whatever you need. <laughs> like, take me with you. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely have plans on hunting there, probably North Dakota next year, and just checking out the area. It's, it's nice to travel and hunt. It sounds like you kind of do the same thing yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, finding those destinations. I mean, there's so many different places that you can hunt ducks. Like, mm-hmm. I've yeah. seen people that are up in Alaska, obviously, you know, hunting the tidal regions in Maine, and then you know, you got the Chesapeake Bay, Iowa. Um, all those Midwestern states. I'm going to be doing some on the Mississippi River when I go out there uh, in a week or so. And I mean, it's you get to go see these crazy locations. I'm a big fan of posting on our social media um, as far as like the sunrise, the backdrop to every place that you get to hunt. I mean, mm-hmm. it's something that obviously it's not the only reason you go out there, but it's it's like a bonus um, mm-hmm. as far as being able to enjoy being out in nature and getting to see these uh, wonderful sunrises that, you know, I've spent a lot of my life sleeping through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The atmosphere can definitely change the feeling of a hunt. I mean, between the Mississippi river or the grasslands where we hunt or the great lakes or, you know, anywhere that's so, so different, but it's just as fun. You know what I mean? And sometimes the location can, you know, really really make a difference on your experience in in the whole hunt mm. you know make it just just you, feel awesome this might be kind of a, a stupid or uninformed question have you guys done any like deep south hunts like louisiana or parts of florida or anything like that no not yet huh no we, it's I it's on the list next year yeah hopefully next year but no we haven't I, i've loved to go down there just like with the massive amount of swampland i mean louisiana i think is kind of losing a little bit of that but um you know, hunting with gators and, and having dogs around and kind of that whole situation just adds a whole new dimension, <laughs> dimension. to just what's going on down there. I mean, no there's death around every corner with some of the things they got growing down there. Yeah, snakes. And- what's funny is they laugh at when we say that because we had talked to somebody yeah. that has that and they're like, oh, they ain't nothing. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. They're yeah. like, oh, they just eat the duck sometimes or so they won't do your dog or your leg. I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm I don't want to risk until, it. Anything until under they do murky water that I cannot see. Yeah. I don't like. So, Can't hey, what is it. your social? By the way, are you guys on Facebook and Instagram? Yeah, we are on Instagram um, as Pattern Pack underscore Ammo, um, and then on Facebook we're just Pattern Pack, um, and you can check us out. We're growing the Facebook page, um, Instagram growing as well. Um, had both of them up not too long, but getting pretty good response, great engagement. Um, we try to post a lot of. Uh, votes and stuff we'll, we'll throw like a bunch of different um questions at guys we ask about everybody's setup what they're shooting and then sometimes we'll we'll go down a bit of a rabbit hole and go into some ridiculous stories as far as uh you know would you rather pay for retrieves or i seen you know, that your own dog yeah. yeah yeah speaking of retrieves uh tell tell us a little bit about max the dog i've been wanting to hear this story Oh yeah. So Max, uh, for those of you that are going to check out our social media, Max is the dog that has the face paint. He's a super popular post that we've had. He was the dog, um, in Iowa. He was the the duck club dog. Um, and he's a, a seven year veteran of, of Iowa waterfowl hunting. He is a, an unbelievably trained retriever, just knows exactly what's going on. He's got great instincts, super high drive dog. And we were hunting one day, had, uh, Max going around, just poking his head out of the blind, and he's a, a yellow lab. And we were afraid that he was scaring off some of the geese that were coming in, so we put a little face paint on him, turned it into a great photo. But um, there are a couple times, I mean, some, he'll see the geese come in, he'll hear them before you do, and you start calling them in, they'll, they'll circle around, and right as they start cupping their wings, I mean, he's, he's ready to go. He won't go until he's told, but 
if you miss those birds, he will come right over and put his head in your lap and just be like, why'd you miss that? (laughs) (laughs) So disappointed you let him down. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) He, uh, he wants that retrieve and sometimes he, he wants it so much. I mean, I know you guys do, uh, what's your, your craziest waterfowl story, but um, I guess this one kind of goes into mind. There, there's two, one of which I was there for. The other one kind of is a precluding one to this. Um, so Max, being a super high drive dog, um, if he gets close enough to a bird and it, it's moving away from him, say it's crippled and it can flap, but it's not going high enough to fly, he's going to chase after it. And if he knows he's close enough to get it, he's just going to keep going, keep going. And even though you're calling him back, if he gets too far, he can't hear you. He's not going to, not going to stop. So with where we were hunting, excuse me, um, it's a man-made pond and part of it is, most of it is about two and a half feet deep. So he can stand in it. He can run around further out. You get, gets a little deeper. So six feet, eight feet in some parts when there's ice out there and he's chasing the, the bird on the ice, if he goes through, which he did this one time, he can't get back out. So there was a time where the boat is stuck in the mud. Max is so far out. You can't get to him quickly. And Max actually drowned. Mm. Um, Byron got the boat unstuck. Everybody's rushing over there. Finally grab him out, give him mouth to mouth, bring Max back, which is great. Oh my wow. goodness. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Holy smokes! Tough bird, tough dog. That's uh, probably the craziest story we've heard so yeah, far, for sure. I'd say so. <laughs> well, that's, I so mean, I, like, I how do you even there for that one? That it's like, one, how do you even uh, give a dog mouth to mouth? Anyways, not that you wouldn't put your, you would try. I would try for Rocky, but it's like the way their jaw is. You'd have to seal all that at the end, maybe keep the keep yeah, the yeah closed. You're, you're pulling them open, and then you're you're like putting your hands, cupping them around the mouth. I mean, and then you're you're pretty much getting your face in there and and just forcing as much air down there wow. as possible. But wow, that's uh, awesome. The dog came back. Yeah, no, That'd super. That yeah. is crazy. I have never heard of that before. I have not either. That's yeah, awesome. So the one time I was with him um, and we were hunting, same thing had happened. Shot a goose. Couldn't fly, but was still, you know, had enough flap in it to kind of outrun Max just enough that, um, he could get away, but not too much that Max wasn't going to give up. So same thing happens. Um, Max's owner reads the situation is like, we're not doing this again. Uh, I was actually super lucky. I didn't have waiters that day, so I didn't have to get out and push the boat, but everybody else hopped out, pushing the boat along. We finally get it started. We're chasing him down, um, breaking ice to get there. Finally grab him, yank him into the boat. Um, cause he had started swimming at that point. And then we've got this goose on the loose. Um, and it kind of came down to, are we going to let this thing get away or there's a, a wildlife preserve on the other side of this berm and we're not allowed to hunt there. So are you going to try to shoot it before it gets away and the boat's still moving? You know, it's a big right. green jean. No, no. So, mm-hmm. um, we'll leave that as a cliffhanger as to what happened because <laughs> we don't want tickets or, um, you know, any sort of situation like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, dog training is super important, but you know, you have a, a great dog like that every once in a while, you know, mistakes are going to happen. There's no perfect dog out there, but mm. having one that can perform to a super high level and, you know, at eight years old is still rearing to go like that. Just unbelievable. He's a great dog. Super happy. I get to hunt with him. That's mm. awesome. Yeah. A great dog. A great dog is a, is a blessing to hunt with it just as much as a, a bad dog is kind of a, an annoyance <laughs> and a pain to hunt with. But when you, when you are able to hunt with a good dog, it just makes everything better. Yeah. So man, uh, kind of to towards, to wrap this up a little bit, I want to hear a little bit about how many fights in hockey you've been in. <laughs> I mean, like so, are to all me, your teeth natural? Yeah. <laughs> so I do have, um, a couple of, not fully fake teeth, but uh, I've got a few that are, are half chipped and got filled in from uh, hockey a couple different times. Yes, dude. Um, and then, as far as fights are concerned, I had had a couple in junior hockey, and then um, my last year in minor league, I had three that year. I actually had a fight with a guy. I got so I got traded um, towards the beginning of the year, and I had gotten in a fight on my first team, and <laughs> this guy that I fought ended up getting traded, and both of us played together in Quad City. Um, <laughs> He's actually a former New Jersey Devil, um, Joe Sova. 
and he is actually a huge duck hunter as well. So we hit it off. I'm probably going to meet up with him on my way out to Iowa. He lives in Illinois. Uh, he's got a nice little setup. He's got a little lake house and his, his boat and truck and just has been absolutely loving the time off that we've had right now with, uh, you know, all the mm-hmm. social distancing situation um, as far as, you know, hockey season is, is on pause right now. So you got a lot of guys who are getting to go out and do some hunting that they haven't been able to do, um, especially to the level that you can do right now mm-hmm. with all the time they have. So do you, so in any fight, right? Like, Sometimes you can fight and then you get down the road your best friends and then sometimes you'll never like that guy the rest of your life no matter what. <laughs> so is hockey more of just it's in the heat of the moment and the competition? Because I'm never I don't have much experience about hockey. I'm not gonna say I know much about it. I'm not gonna say I'm a good skater, nothing. So I'm just curious, or is it is it a long term like you every time you play that guy, you hate that guy, you wanna crush him? Like how is that? No, for the most part, um I think at least for me, I've ended up being pretty good friends with a lot of the guys that I've had fights with, especially if you're friends before. I mean, mm-hmm. you're just, you're closer friends after. It's, it's something that while you're out there, I mean, you have to do it. Um, you know, if you're in that situation, like if something happens where uh, there's a bad hit on one of your teammates and you have to stand up for them, mm-hmm. uh, it's just kind of part of the game. But once you leave the rink, for the most part, um, it's, gone. it's gone. It's not a problem. It's actually something like you can laugh about, talk about and say, hey, you got me pretty good. Um, you know, I've got, I've had two black eyes before from, you know, a nice square punch to the nose that I went out on new year's Eve and had an absolute blast with the guy right after. Um, but there are those fights, um, where sometimes it does get a little bit personal and a lot of that stuff probably starts outside of the rink. Mm. And when it does, I mean, there, there are those situations, a big thing, if you're watching hockey and you, you don't really know too much about the sport or kind of the the no's and yeses of fighting if somebody's hitting somebody while they're still on the ice that's that's a personal fight um and there's something else going on there and you can be you can be aware of it and speculate and you know you you probably never find out the actual reason of, of why that happened but you know for the most part most of the fights when somebody goes down punches get stopped you know somebody will, will hold their hand up and they'll wait and make sure that you know this is over but yeah mm-hmm. somebody's hitting somebody while they're down um, they're either just a real dirty player or there's something personal going on. What's the most satisfying thing in hockey? Because I would, like, I play, we've played football and stuff like that, so when you hit somebody in a tackle, sometimes it's, like, feels so good just to crush somebody. But, like, what's the most satisfying thing in hockey? Is it hitting somebody that's trapped on the side, or is it making a goal? Or, like, what what what's something that you enjoyed the most out of hockey? Oh, man, nothing beats watching the puck go in the back of the net. Yeah. Like for, for football, there are, you know, hard positions that, you know, there are certain guys who they're not going to score touchdowns. They might in like a fluky play, but it's not a situation where every time that you're out there, you know, all five guys in hockey have the potential to put a goal up. Mm. So that's something that I think every player um, can appreciate. And, you know, if you get a situation where you've got, my favorite is, you know, you get a nice one timer where somebody passes you the puck and you just know where you're going to shoot it before it even gets to you. And you have just that nice long, it feels long to you while you're watching. It takes, you know, a quarter of a second for it to go in the back of the net, but you see the entire lane and you watch the puck from right behind it. You have the best seat in the house to watch it go in the net. And when it does and the lights go off and, you get to handshake with all the boys. I mean, there's no better feeling than that. That's cool. That's cool. That sounds awesome. The control that you guys have with that, like, I don't know how, I mean, you literally can, do you feel like you can pinpoint any place in that net and put it? Oh yeah. It's, it's something where if you, you got to put a lot of time into developing skill. It's a skill sport by far. Um, There, there are roles in which, you know, you can be a a gritty guy and, and, you know, carry a little less skill and have a big impact on the game. There's, you know, like I said, everybody has a role, but if you have some skill, there are guys that, you know, that, that post is, is about two inches wide and there are guys that can hit the inside of that post every time. So it's, you know, if you hit the outside, it's not a goal, but if you can hit the inside and, and guys can do it consistently. Um, and that's from, you know, 15, 20 feet out, the guys are being able to put it in a, a one inch, sort of area at least yeah. is what they're they're hitting. I mean, there's obviously a little bit of variation. It's not always consistent. You know, some of that comes down to stick technology, player um, ability. But, I mean, there, there are guys who are, are way more skilled than me and can do way more stuff than, you know, even I can communicate to you guys as far as skill goes. But 
it's um it's an awesome sport it's something you know I'm, I'm super happy i've been able to be a part of i've been very fortunate having parents that um allowed me to quit baseball and play hockey and <laughs> um get into that i mean it was it was the same thing with that hunting was in my family i mean nobody played hockey um, i kind of just ended up in it we had kids that were playing across the street from us. Um, I lived across the street from a cul-de-sac and we had kids that would always play roller hockey over there. Um, one day I was going for baseball tryouts. Um, we were going to sign up and my parents were arguing in the car cause they couldn't find out where the sign up was. And I just started crying. I was like six years old. I was like, I don't even like baseball. I don't want to play. <laughs> and my dad turned around and gave me the, the hard nose knife hand. You have to play a sport. Just like a military guy. <laughs> the oh, knife yeah. hand. <laughs> That's a 14, 14 year Marine right there. Yeah. Um, and so I, the first thing that came to mind was hockey because those kids were playing it in the street across from my house. So my dad said, you have to take a figure skating lesson, did figure skating for a year. Um, mm. it was actually the best thing in the world because it's like, imagine trying to play football and not knowing how to run. Mm. You know, that's kind of what skating is for hockey. It's like, you got to be able to skate if you're even going to have a chance at like, like really good, you know, huh? not even really good. Like if you just want to participate at a level where you're going to be able to get some enjoyment out of it, you have to be able to skate. So hmm. it worked out really well. Hmm. That's cool. Well, uh, I think we're going to wrap this up, man. It was a pleasure t- talking to you, Tucker. We honestly we could talk forever about duck hunting. I always feel like it, sometimes almost an hour is just not enough when, it, especially with a guest on, but we're going to wrap this one up guys. Check out patternpackammo.com. Also check them out on Facebook and Instagram. And when you guys decide to go ahead and pick the ammo out, a minimum of five shells, put the code in MVM, you'll get 10% off, and I know you guys won't regret it. I've been talking to Tucker for a while. He's a super cool, nice guy, as you could tell on this episode, and it was a pleasure having you on here, Tucker, today. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm a big fan of your guys' show, and watch watch a good amount of your guys' videos, probably a little bit longer than I should, but... I don't know if there's such a thing though. So, um, <laughs> no, we appreciate it. No, we appreciate it very yeah. much. Yeah. yeah so, awesome, uh, that, yeah, and we're hoping this uh, turns more. And that's one thing I like about all this stuff. Just to kind of end this out is the relationships that we've made over the last three years with different people. Whether you know, business is one thing, but moving on to more of the friendship part of it—that's what we're really interested in. And I've got people that I can say truly now my friends and talk to them quite often that adam was texting me the other day he just randomly you know he we didn't know him from Checking adam him. and now we're buddies <laughs> from the old squaw hunt and i'm sure we'll be that the way the way the rest of our lives so really cool uh sometimes with social media and stuff like that can just bring you all together so we really we really really enjoy it and so anyways guys thanks for listening in and we'll see you on the next episode <laughs>